Verbal intercourse. Verbal intercourse. Verbal intercourse. This is verbal intercourse. All right, guys. Welcome to the verbal intercourse, episode four. Um, got two special guests with me today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna tackle the memories of the great Kobe Bryant. Um, shout out to Portia Cooper P3 on the podcast with me today. Shout out to Donald Cox, Veritas legend. <laughs> my nigga, my nigga used to be dropping 30, 30 on on kids at Veritas. School ain't even open no more, nigga. Hey, 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 say what you want, bro. Hey, you shut that bitch down. Okay. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. Hey, you say what you want. We open on here. Okay, okay. Two things for sure. One thing for certain. They ain't never make the playoffs before I got there, and they ain't making since I left. Hey, that boy legend, man. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, that boy Veritas legend. But, yeah, let's get right into it. Shout out to Kobe Bryant for giving us everything he had. Um Truthfully, January 26, 2020 was definitely one of those life-changing events in all of our lives, especially like across the world. And it was something that almost felt like just a bad movie. Um, You know, not to sound solemn or anything, but that was just my personal opinion about it all. Um, I remember specifically where I was. I was in New Orleans uh, sitting at a bar and people called me that never called me just to see how I was, and I'm like, you know, what the hell are y'all talking about? You know, Kobe Bryant passed in a helicopter crash. Um, but, <clears throat> but you know, I basically got up from the bar, and I drove from New Orleans to Hattiesburg, where I was staying at the time, and I pretty much sobbed the whole time. But um, also, I also remembered that Kobe wouldn't want us crying for him. Kobe gave us everything he had, and Kobe wanted us – to be inspired regardless of anything that we was going through in life. Um, truth be told, I wasn't a Kobe fan from the beginning of his career. Um, growing up, my um, my father called me Lil Penny because Penny Hardaway was my favorite player and I was a Orlando Magic fan. So um, I grew up loving Penny and then he got injured. Um, and of course, I was just kind of like just watching basketball. I grew up playing ball my whole life. I went from Penny to probably T-Mac. But I think in 06, I'll never forget, it was kind of like, um, you know, not to sound too dramatic, but it was kind of like divine intervention when I started first liking Kobe. I was uh, watching the playoffs, 2006. Um, Lakers was, I think, the seventh seed. Suns was the second seed. <clears throat> and I think, um, I think it was game six. Um, Kobe, I was asleep on the couch. I had fell asleep during the game, and Kobe, when, right when I woke up, Kobe, like, drives right, pulls up, and hits a game winner, and, you know, he did the Jordan fist pump, and I was just like, oh, this nigga real, for real. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, I was like, you know, I was following him, and he was inspiring me. And so, um, Kobe with the fro, I thought, you know, was a baby, you know, 
at that time, the league was a big man's league. So I'm thinking, like, why would you not want Shaq to be on your team? But then as I grew grew older and I matured, I was like, when you a man, you have to get to the point where you feel like I can carry the ship. Like a, a real man gonna wanna, you know, lead his family, you know, lead the community, all that shit. So basically, I basically felt like, you know, he did the right thing. He was just like, I don't need this nigga. I can I can do whatever the hell I gotta do, regardless. So um <clears throat> so I'm gonna ask both of y'all a question and I'm gonna let y'all speak separately. Um, when did y'all realize that Kobe was great how he was and when did you become a fan of Kobe Bryant? Um, (laughs) well I would say I can't remember vividly like the exact moment I probably became a Kobe fan but I can remember watching him and falling in love with him more it probably was between the time when they won the championship in 2001 and 2002 um but yeah that's probably when I realized then that hey I really really like this guy a lot um I've always been a Lakers fan simply because of the colors um I grew up <laughs> like <liking, laughs> hey, yellow is real. my favorite color um yellow my favorite color but I was a Penny Hardaway fan as well T-Mac fan oh we like some um we like yeah, we, we got something in common a little bit you know how Sagittarius <laughs> and Cancers are but um <laughs> Yeah, so I I just grew to love Kobe. I always loved Kobe. Bias towards Kobe. So yeah, you can go ahead, Donald. Okay. Um, I want to say I started off a Mike fan uh, when I first was introduced to the game of basketball. The Bulls was my team. So uh, even during that time, I can vividly remember seeing Kobe win the dunk contest in '97. I probably was like seven, eight years old. Yeah. He get the between the leg dunk, you know, back then, like the between the leg dunk was like some a big deal, yeah, like yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now people doing it out vertical, but <laughs> but 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 I can remember seeing Brandy like cheering for him. But I want to say the first time when I was able to, you know, really understand the greatness of Kobe, probably is gonna be uh, two. It's it's different steps to it. Yeah. Like the first time I can say I can look at it is probably was when um, he shot the air balls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can remember that. I can remember that bald head, skinny kid, airballing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the jazz winning. And f- and for me, I feel like the first moment of the greatness is when against Portland when they came back, he crossed his buddy, he crossed the Scottie Pippen, drives and throw the oop to Shaq. And, Man. And, you know what I'm saying? That's the first time. And then um when Shaq fouled out in the finals, and Kobe took over. You know right. what I'm saying? When he came in and just like, you know, yeah, and he, he was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I yeah. emulated yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it's just that that was my that was my first, you know what I'm saying? That was my first moments to see his greatness. Like to see him come in, like, don't worry about it, I got you. And he just really had that mic in him. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that 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 mic. And I remember the game you talking about. It was a Sunday game. Yeah, it was a Sunday game. It was a Sunday game. See, what you don't remember yeah. is. <laughs> what hey, you don't remember is. <laughs> when, when the first play before the end, but yeah. when they, before he hit the sidestep and floated it. See, I was asleep. See, I was asleep. But it was like, he God had to make that shot. It was like, nigga, you God need to see this home. one. So that was <laughs> off. They, they got a title and. The, the the bucket he actually scored was off the jump ball. Yeah. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they it went up. Yeah. They went up. I want to say one game six. They went up three one in that series, but end up losing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they didn't have enough pieces. But all of that, I said all that to say like, just 
just the greatness of him, just man, that never lose, never quit mentality, man. Real it's just, just amazing, you know. Yeah. So that was those moments right there was my first introduction to Kobe. True. Like I remember, you know, that series, that Portland series versus the Lakers, where I really like I'm a North Carolina fan to the heart. And I'm a real big Rasheed Wallace fan. So I really wanted and my whole house was Lakers fans. So I really wanted Portland to win. Like, I was just like, Portland got the pieces, they can do it. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm pretty sure they was going into the fourth quarter down by 13. Mm -hmm. yep. Lakers was down by 13. And the thing that pissed me off most about the Lakers during that time, I wasn't a Laker fan yet. But like I said, that game wouldn't have turned me into a Laker fan. I wasn't a Laker fan yet. <clears throat> but what used to piss me off about, especially them 2000 Lakers, like, they could literally – basically say, okay, the fourth quarter, you're not going to score shit. Mm -hmm. Like, they would, like you wouldn't even be able to score a basket. And, and then they would log in, and they would just chip away, chip away, and then they win the game, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that alley-oop to, to Shaq, I remember vividly watching that in my parents' room and just thinking, like, yeah, this shit over now. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a hooper, and I know when the momentum changed, it's just a wrap, you know yep. what I'm saying? So, um. That's crazy. I remember, like. It was that game was on a Sunday night, so we used to have like church at night. So we were driving home, and I was the only Laker fan. So in the car, my dad they was talking to. He heard them say, "We talking to Brian." He right. thought they were talking to Brian Grant, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, Portland, Portland won." They yeah. was like, "No, Brian Shaw." No, I was I like, see. "Yeah," you know what I'm saying? Because we didn't actually yeah. get a chance to see the game. You know what I'm saying? We had to watch the highlights back. Yeah. But I could just remember that feeling like. Yo, damn, the Lakers finna go to the finals, Man, you know what I'm saying? And, it's been, and you know, back then it was a sweep. Yeah, <laughs> like you already knew. It was yep. a sweep. So, so basically, um, you know, Kobe Bryant definitely inspired us with his play, you know, and, you know, me being a physical therapist, I would say during PT school when, you know, shit got rough and stuff like that, um, my dad would always say, you know, revert to – you know, school is just like basketball, son. And I never really understood it until I I kind of wrapped my round uh, my my mind around it because by DNA I'm just a hooper. You know what I'm saying? That's my whole DNA. The reason why I dress, the reason why I walk, you know, the reason why I talk is all from basketball. And so basically, I had to put that mentality into me being in school. Like it's a competition. You gotta, you gotta do that, that, that isolated work. You gotta be by yourself. You gotta be, what one would call in the gym. But you know, in school, you in the library. You somewhere isolated, studying, grinding, all that type of stuff. And he definitely inspired me to to continue physical therapy school. You know, a lot of people don't know. Like I made a B minus at Hampton University, and I had to sit out for a year, and then I had to restart at UMMC. So, and, and, you know, that was a rough transition, but I think the, I think Kobe probably inspired me the most off of the court due to his willingness to never give up and to basically just keep pushing forward and to put that isolated work in. So, um. Damn nigga, B minus make you sit up? Real talk, man. <laughs> fuck Real that. talk, man. It, 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 was, it was crazy. Real talk, it was, it was life changing. Like, Shit, I probably still would have been living in Virginia to this day. You know what I'm saying? But, but that shit changed my life. And I think, like, even when I was taking tests, even when I was taking boards, I would always wear, like, a Jesus piece around my neck. And I would always have on some COVID shoes because I know that nigga never let me down. So, 
So I want to ask y'all, how did Kobe inspire y'all off the court? Um, I pretty much say the same thing you said with the relentless work ethic. You know how he always put in hours of work. Um, and I remember watching an interview one time when they would ask him, you know, why are you always working so hard or why are you always in the gym? Um, I heard once where some of his teammates would say they would come to the gym and Kobe would already be in there like hours way before they were. Um, and he said he would do that because he didn't want to get beat by the competition. And that's how I am. I am a competitive person, and I always put in my best um, to be better than what I was the day before. So that's how he inspired me off the court. I'm going to say the same. Uh, I'm in sales, so <clears throat> I've always took that mentality to everything I've done, like that, I guess that quote-unquote mamba mentality, like, you know, you got to put the work in. That's, you know, that was Kobe's big thing. And one thing, another thing he taught me off the court is how to deal with adversity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I could always, I can remember him saying that he would block out, if he was if he had an injury, he would block it out because that energy, that injury wasn't more important than the task at hand. Right. So, you know, I look at that in life. Like, whatever adversity I face in life, it's not more important than the task at hand. And in my point of view in life, the task at hand is providing for my family, taking care of my child, doing things I, you know, have to do now. So whatever adversity comes my way or whatever um, the, the things I have to challenge, I have to endure, I block it out and just focus on the task at hand, whether it's being at the office at 1 o'clock in the morning or whether that's right. being the first one to the office or more so less doing shit that I really don't want to do, you know what I'm saying, that I right. personally don't want to do. I'm pretty sure Kobe didn't want to get up every morning at 4.30 and train. He probably yeah. wanted to lay in the bed and chill, but he knew – I, if it's somebody, if I get up at five, somebody got up at four. So right. he wanted to always be, he, like I can remember him saying, he found out what time Michael Jordan went to the gym. So if <laughs> Michael Jordan went to the gym at six, he's like, well, I'm going to be there at 430. Right. Because I'm going to get an extra 90 minutes of work in before you even get there. So when it comes to that time to make that big shot, shit, I put the work in. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's off the court. Those are the motivations I get from him. Right. You know, I I definitely feel what you're saying because – you know, me and you, we both hoop, so we could understand that, you know, Kobe was a great athlete, but at the same time, it was times on the court that he definitely wasn't the best athlete. But you, when it comes to basketball and even in life, you have to refine your skill. Mm -hmm. Whatever is your skill, you have to refine it. You know what I'm saying? You in sales, you know what I'm saying? I'm in PT. I have to refine my skills. It takes, it takes hours of work. It takes – thousands of hours of work you know and and i think that's how he inspired me he inspired me um because you know you know you watch me play donald you know i'm not a kobe type player if you want to do a comparison i'm more so like uh you know ray john rondo mm -hmm. tony parker darren collison somebody like that. Darren williams yeah somebody like that you know what i'm saying right. but Cause I couldn't, I couldn't look at Kobe because we played two different positions. Right. I can't look at Kobe and say, "Oh, he pulling up like this. Let me do this." But what I looked at him about, what I looked at him for, was regardless of whoever out there, that nigga was always saying, "Man, we can win a championship." Mm -hmm. Nigga had Smush Parker at point, <laughs> Chris Mim at center, like a young Lamar Odom, like no Brian wing cook, Brian, Brian <laughs> Cook, like. A bunch of players that are trash and basically was just like, you know, shit, 
um, our season goal is championship. Niggas, like, the announcer's like, what? Nigga, y'all ain't got no roster to win no championship. You like, shit, I'm on the roster, nigga. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. So can you can y'all remember a specific game, you know, that that kinda was just like, this is my favorite game of Kobe's? Because I know my personal favorite was uh probably game six um against the Suns for that for that um for that fifth championship going into playing Boston, Western Conference Final. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't his highest scoring game, but it was it was a game where I just felt like, man, this dude is like immortal. Like he was just he, and he he's getting doubled. I'm talking about grade A defense. Grand Hill, great like great great <laughs> Grand Hill. Roger uh, a, Bell, a, 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 a young a young um a young Jordan uh, Dudley. Yep. Which you know people would look at Jordan Dudley now and be like, why is this nigga guarding Kobe? But you know in his prime defensively he was he was stout. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm seeing him shoot followaways from. 20 feet out, which is, if you ever hoop before, that's a ridiculous shot. It's like, a bad shot. He it's, a, it's, a ter- it's a terrible <laughs> shot, actually. You know what I'm saying? And he, like, fading away, and it's just like – and then he, he fades away and hits one, and Alvin Gentry calls a timeout, and he taps him on the butt. And I'm just like – and then he does, the uh, like, the Jason Terry jet thing, and I'm just like, you know, this nigga is just unguardable, you know. Mm-hmm. So can y'all uh, point to a game where y'all just was like, man, this dude is like immortal. I'm gonna just go ahead and say the 81 point game against okay. Toronto in 2006. Yes. Okay. That's when I'm a Jordan fan, but I can't sit up here and say, oh, I remember when Michael Jordan did this, this, that, 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 because right. too young to understand. I probably can go back and watch some ESPN classic or highlights on YouTube, but I'm not just gonna sit up in here and say, oh, I remember when Jordan did that or that. But there was a time when I know I could go back and taunt Jordan fans and be like, oh, well, your favorite player in there scored 81. Yeah. He always scored 63 yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with the 81 point game. I'm gonna go game seven, NBA Finals against Boston. Mm. Mm. Um, the reason I say that is because when I played ball, what, one thing that I got from Kobe, from, from me playing ball, was if one aspect of your game is not working, you know what I'm saying, you got to go to something else. And yeah. so the way my thing is, that's even now when I even play pickup. If my jump shot not there that day, I'm saying, okay, I'm finna go guard the best player. I'm finna go rebound. I'm finna do something else to help the team. Right. Kobe had a horrible shooting game. Horrible shooting game. Uh, right. I want to say, but he had like 13, 14 rebounds. He had 14 rebounds. You know what I'm saying? He that. had like seven, eight assists. Right. He did the other stuff. He did other and stuff. And he trusted Ron Artest to make this shot. <laughs> you know, crazy Ron Artest. That shit crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kobe wanted to take it. Yeah. But the fact that when he came across and he looked and he saw the, the double was there, he made the correct basketball play. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that shows the transition from Kobe early on in his career. True. Because before then, Kobe would have took that off balance. Real talk. Because <laughs> he and, in his mind, he said, like, I'm going to trust me taking this off balance shot. And turn out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More so than I'm going to trust yeah. Ron Artis taking yeah. this shot. Yeah. So I want to say that that in a nutshell sums up, the for one, the the, the – the maturity of his game True. and just the way I approach basketball, you know, just from being playing ball and having to be, I've actually every position, every time I play ball, I've been in a different position. I've been in a position where I rode the bench and never got in. I've been in a position where I was a role player 
And then I was put in a position where the team looked at me to say, if yeah. we don't have a good game, we're not going to win. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's why I look at it, like just being able to say, well, this part is not going good today. Let me figure out some other way to achieve the ultimate goal. True. Yeah. I remember both of those games vividly. And I in the 81-point game, I specifically remember, um, you know, playing at Murrow, we had them Sunday practices. And that game was a Sunday game. Yep. And I remember leaving, and, you know, I'm at the house, and Gary Love texts me. He was like, nigga, Kobe got 70. And I'm like, on NBA Live? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 Gary, like Gary Love, you know, my, my two guard at the time, shout out to Gary. He was like, nigga, Kobe got 70. And I was like, on NBA Live? And, and I'm like, he's like, no, nigga, in real life. I was like, man, quit bullshitting. And so this game wasn't on the air, but ESPN, whatever was on the air, they cut that shit off. Cut it off. And they put the Kobe <laughs> game on. And, like, I'm just watching him. And he just, like, skating past niggas, like, dunking the ball. Like, he's just relentless, like, to the 81. And that game you speaking on, that that uh, game seven against the Celtics, man, I was, I was pissed off at Kobe. Like, the whole game. I just was like, gee, like, you still shooting the ball and you shooting bad. You know, help out. But when you look at the stat line, he definitely did his work on the rebounding, the assists, um, and he trusted his teammates. I mean, he had he had people come through from him. Ron Artest came through. Paul Gasol actually played tough as hell. Like mm-hmm. like he he battled Rasheed Wallace and KG that game. And so um, it's important to just understand that Kobe wasn't because a lot of people gave him this. This judgment of him being a ball when he career wise, he averaged like five assists, five, six assists, you know. Shit, that's that's a good stat line for some point guards. And he shot close to fifty percent from the field. And he shot close to fifty percent so from the field. You can't call him a, I hate when people call him a ball hog. Like Yeah. And the thing about it, they call him that, but in the sense he knew that he put the work in and shit, it was It's a better shot. It's a better shot. Yeah, you know what I'm shit. saying? I'm getting double. Right. <laughs> you know. What I look like passing the smush park. If I know this motherfucker can't make it, why yeah. am I gonna give you the ball exactly. when I know I've been working on this? Like don't and I'm, gonna make. and I'm gonna make it. Like, you know, how many difficult, unimaginable shots have we seen Kobe, Kobe make? Oh yeah. Come he, on, man. In history, he has to be the number one difficult shot taker and shot maker. I mean the, the difficulty of shots that he's taken, I remember I was watching highlights of him play the Raptors one time in that, that season that they had Dwight Howard and um, Steve Nash. And that season, he literally wheeled them to the playoffs, yep. and then he tore his Achilles. Yep. But, he, like, those, those, those games going into that game, he was just hitting ridiculous shots. Like, like, like picked up dribble, dudes with both hands, mm-hmm. uh, hands up. To this chest and pump his eight, nigga still yeah, pump, pump eight, eight, nine times and say, fuck it, I'm going with it. And he pull up from three, you know, and it go in. My favorite one is when he uh against the Knicks oh. uh, with the when he hit the pump and got Wilson Channel yeah, and then he reversed. Yeah. I, man, I tell you, I tried to do that shit a thousand times. I don't know how he did it without traveling. Like yeah. that that was amazing, man. Like that shit crazy. Yeah, but that just goes into his mentality, the mamba mentality, which has been has been coined a, a, a amazing phrase that basically he came up with and also that a lot of people have drawn to, especially since his untimely death, the mama mentality. And 
when I think about the mama mentality, I just think about somebody that just has that drive, that relentlessness, that especially um, being black in America, you definitely got to have that mama mentality. Like you got to have that drive to not give up because when the world, when the world looks at you like you ain't shit, like you got to, you got to prove that you are some, you know what I'm saying? So y'all talk to me about how mama mentality is kind of, has, has, has been engraved into your life. Because I know in my life, when I think about mama mentality, like I can always go back to me just being in school and just thinking like, yeah, um, if I know I want to do something tonight, I'm going to have to wake up at 730. I'm going to have to get there. I'm going to have to get to the library at 8 o'clock. So I can so I can study for five hours till one o'clock. Then I probably can do something. It's been it's been times where I woke up out of bed and be like, you know, I ain't I ain't going hard enough. You know what I'm saying? Kobe Kobe would would want you to go harder. You know what I'm saying? And you know, so y'all talk to me a little bit about the uh, Mamba mentality. Um, <clears throat> to me personally, what I would say, it, well, what it means for me is, um, you don't quit, you don't cower, you don't run. It's like you try to, or you find the silver lining in things. Um, ways I would apply that to my life, um, as you know, I do suffer with scoliosis, mm -hmm. uh, having a broken clavicle, left clavicle. Um, that would prevent me from doing certain things. But I would think about Kobe, you know, fight through his injuries. Um, do more. Be better. Don't beat yourself up over these injuries. You put the work in and do what you need to do. So that's ways that I apply the mumble mentality to my everyday life. Mama mentality, I'm, I would say mama mentality means making the two free throws after you tear your Achilles. Like, you know, just saying that no matter what obstacle and adversity is in my life, I'm still going to get up here and sink these two free throws. Like, to that's just the embodiment of mama mentality in my mind. Like, be, Kobe being able to say, knowing that the uncertainty around – this injury he just had that he still goes up and knocked down these two free throws because they needed those points. You right. know what I'm saying? They needed those two free throws. True. You know what I'm saying? In order to make that playoff push they was trying to make. So yeah. that's how I apply that in my life. Like, no matter what, just keep pushing. You know, just regardless of whether it's personal issues or whatever you got going on, like, don't let it affect you. Like, if this man can get up here and knock these two free throws down after tearing his Achilles, which is a devastating injury that most people had yeah. to get carried off the court he walked off that motherfucker yeah, and you yeah. can see for a second he was trying to figure out how can i play with this he, <laughs> be told because if he because if he leaves the court from the injury he can't come back he can't into come the back. yes so he's just like of course i'm thinking of course kobe's a smart guy so he's like yeah my achilles is torn like i mean you you gonna know mm -hmm. when your achilles is torn but his whole thought process is like, if I don't shoot these free throws, then I can't come back into the game. It's a, it's a 0.5 percent chance that it's not torn and it's just a strain, and I can keep playing. Mm -hmm. But that was just a, that that's just what happened, and just that just shows his mentality of, regardless of the situation, regardless of any situation in life, that we can always carry on. Like like, and that's just. That, that's just how we have to live life. I know um, 
with with Kobe's death, it pushed me to start the podcast earlier than I probably would have wanted to. But at the same time, it made me realize that even I was looking at Kobe as this immortal figure. Like if you look at all the basketball greats, you know, from my era it's Kobe, but if you look at our parents' era, they'll look at they'll say, you know, Bill Russell, um, Kareem. All these people living into old age and we looking at Kobe as this immortal figure, like, yeah, he's he's in his second career now, you know, uh doing short stories, doing children's books, doing um short films, and I'm thinking, you know, he's gonna be this guy that I tell my children, hey, he was he was the best of all time, in my opinion. But we not gonna be able to have that ability to do that. Well, I'm not personally because I don't have a child yet. But, but you know, it was just one of them things that I just felt like he was this immortal figure, and that something tragic could never happen to him. And when it happened, it just was like, like I said, a bad movie. Hell yeah, that that shit hit different, bro. Like yeah, like I don't like that shit is crazy. Like funny story, like I was they was playing some uh, they was playing like a, a Kobe memorial. And I'm on the couch, like, just crying my yeah. eyes out. So yeah. my petty-ass child comes in the room, Daddy, you crying because of Kobe? <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, man, go to your room. Like, I mean, like, I mean, boy, like, like you don't understand this shit. Yeah, like, I'm like, he looked at me with the, just a look of disgust. Like, <laughs> hey, nigga, like what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but your son, you know what I'm saying? He a young, he a young dude. Yeah. He ain't from that era. He don't understand. Don't you know understand, what I'm saying? Sir. It was just like our superhero. Yep. Like, like you know, even when, even when the Lakers lost, even when Kobe missed the the buzzer beater, even when he played terrible, even down to his retirement in 2016, it was just always this relentlessness and. And this ability to even if I lose, even if he loses, he comes through for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was his effort that you know, and that's what I feel is most important when you come to when you look at a hero. Like shit, you can look at Avengers movies; they got their ass whooped in Infinity War. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they come back in Endgame and they were relentless. You know what I'm saying? So that's just how I feel about Mamba mentality. You know, and I and you know that's. That's interesting that you brought up the memorial because, like, we, like, a week removed from it. And it was just – and I was at work when it was on, but I saw a lot of the um, clips from it. And I just felt like um, it was a beautiful uh, memorial. Um, a lot of people were saying that they had an issue with his parents not getting up there and speaking. Um, but I I personally think, you know, if they didn't get up and speak, that was because they didn't – actually want to get up and speak you know some stuff is hard you know so some stuff is hard people deal with death in different ways stuff like that um i think i enjoyed um watching jordan at the at the memorial because he was he he provided the comic relief that one would need to have at some as solemn as as that um with the uh jordan Cry mean face. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. That we everybody used that. They, I mean, that that I shit mad. On funny. you, yeah. No waste time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I even put the I put the crying uh, the tear on my face, and it's because of Jordan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's be, it's because of that nigga, cause cause that shit was mad funny. Like did did y'all see any? Did y'all see any surprises? Like people like people that surprise you during the memorial. 
because I know I was really inspired by Vanessa Bryant. I'm sure everything is, you know, crazy for her right now, losing a, a, a husband and a daughter, you know. But her strength and, and her wisdom, it kind of reminded me of um, Lauren London uh, with Nipsey Hussle, mm -hmm. you know. Like, it's kind of like Nipsey Hussle's death magnified, you know. So y'all talk to me a little bit about the memorial. What did y'all see? Okay, well, with me, I didn't watch it. Yeah. I couldn't watch it. Yeah, I Because that. it's still, when you mention, you know, people handle death in different ways, mm -hmm. it's still something that I can't accept. Like, I can't even bring myself to say R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. Real because tough. it's just, it's a it's a crazy feeling. So, um... I wanted to protect my mental, uh -huh. um, my headspace, so I didn't watch it. But as time went on, like days later, I would probably go to the shade room or different places, maybe Twitter like that. And I did see clips here and there. Um, I saw when Beyonce, she sung. And I did watch a little bit of Vanessa's speech. But, yeah, I couldn't bring myself to watch it that right. much. I was at work in my office watching it. So, um, crazy thing is, like, when Jordan started his speech, he started crying. I put on Facebook, like, if y'all make this man a meme, y'all going to hell. And, like, two minutes later, he said something about the whole crime. So that was humorous to me. But um, my favorite thing was Shaq, man, because I know Kobe said that. Like, yeah. when he said, ain't no iron team, yeah, it's an yeah, M.E. in that yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know, yeah, you Shaq know. provided the common yeah, relief, too. I yeah. know that's, um, I know that's something that you know um that he said but one thing that i did didn't like was the fact that lebron james wasn't visible you didn't like it mm -mm. for i look at lebron james i and most people criticize me for this but i think lebron is more into self-gratification mm. and more into because my thing is if you saying kobe meant this much to you we saw anthony davis we saw all these other people and you're carrying the mantle of the Lakers franchise, mm -hmm. which in Kobe's eyes, the franchise was more than him. Right. Like, he looked at himself, you know, Kobe, but he mm -hmm. was more into the Laker, the purple and gold, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I guess the shield, you know what I'm saying? So if you're saying you did all this stuff, when you got the plan, you could barely walk because you crying, you on the floor, you gave this whole speech before the first game, right. this is the last hoorah for him, you know what I'm saying? So why yeah. weren't you visible? Even if you didn't say anything, be with your teammates. Yeah, you know I, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I don't, and I just feel like when it comes to LeBron, a lot of times if it's not gratifying or self gratification to him, he's mm -hmm. not involved in it. Right. If it's not gonna be all about him, he's not involved in it. So that's my, you know, that's my, that's my, that was my takeaway from. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lakers fans, of course, true Lakers fans, we've had a hard time, kind of accepting LeBron. Like I ain't want. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna be real. I didn't want. Him. I would rather have brought Anthony Davis and rebuild with the young pieces that we had yeah. than to bring in an old LeBron James. Because, honestly, that's yeah. going to set the franchise back. Because when he leaves, then, you know, yeah. we're going to have to start right back where we started. And then you're going to have to go through those years where you're not as good in order to rebuild a thing, you know what I'm saying, that way. Yeah. But I didn't. I honestly didn't want LeBron James. He could have stayed where he was at. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of LeBron <laughs> fans that, that say shit like that, you know, and I can respect it, I can respect it, you know, 
But at the same time, I mean, we had to kind of take him. I mean, we had to. We, like, had, we had to, to do I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, it's LeBron James yeah. at the end of the day. I mean, it, I mean it, yeah, you're right. It is the fans. Like, we are all on this panel, we are all legitimate Laker fans. So, yeah, it was tough. I mean, we've been battling niggas on social media for, what, 10-plus years mm-hmm. now? Like, Kobe Man, versus LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, somebody told me, I was arguing one day, they like a – uh, they Achilles injury turned the, the black mama to a garden snake. I oh, can say man. shit. Oh, I can say nothing. Like when hey, you, <laughs> hey. but but you know, speaking from you know my perspective and you know my professional opinion, Achilles is is Achilles injury is like damn near like life death sentence. You know, from dealing happened? dealing with basketball. Mm-hmm. Now you can come you can come back from it uh, from football or something like that, but from basketball is like. Because you need that push off of your ankle, that first step, you know. Um, and I think, you know, even even after that, he was just he was just getting older, and you know that's okay, you know. Some of your superheroes get older. Father know? time undefeated. Yeah, exactly. Father time is undefeated. You know, even LeBron is kind of seeing it now. His hairline been seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's true too. That's true too. Hey, hey. Hey, yeah, he 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 definitely been aging for a long damn time. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so social media has been crazy since the passing of Kobe, um, and you know, a lot of people have had a lot to say. Even um, people were pissed off at uh, Gail King about um, hurt, uh, ill-advised questions during the interview and about um, rape allegations, sexual assault allegations that Kobe dealt with. Um, But aside of that, a lot of people have been given love that previously wasn't given love. Um, One that I can think about personally is Jason Whitlock. Like they, I seen uh, um, a 10 minute clip of Jason Whitlock basically bashing Kobe when he was alive, like, bashing him like saying that he's just a selfish person he's a ball hog he's an asshole all this type of shit and um but now since he's passed jason whitlock is is um basically saying yeah kobe was the smartest basketball player of all time and all type of stuff that completely contradicts how he previously felt prior to his passing do you think social media and mainstream media is some somehow providing fake love to Kobe? Because Kobe fans and Laker fans, Laker Nation, period, love Kobe to death. Basketball players, if you ask if you ask this era, who was the toughest nigga to guard? They was always saying Kobe. Like they had Tony Allen on um on um Fox Sports the other day. He was saying that Kobe Bryant was easily the toughest nigga I ever had to guard, you know. And, and you know, when it, it it's kind of just like when Nipsey died, once again, it's just like that fake love is going to come, you know what I'm saying, especially with the world we live in today with the social media. So do y'all, y'all, do y'all think that they providing fake love towards the great? Um, me personally, I would say – no. Um, well, I don't think it's as bad as, like, it was with Nipsey Hussle. 
Um, now I'm in this sports group on Facebook, and now I can say I can say in that group, them niggas they done did like a 360 in that group. But uh, overall, like from what I've noticed or you know what I observe, I would say no in a way. Um, not on that level of how everybody was with Nipsey. Like yeah. everybody getting these fucking Nipsey texts and checker flags and marathon continue. Oh, he the greatest rapper and <laughs> burning <laughs> sage and <laughs> shit. And <laughs> when I was telling niggas Victory Lap was album of the year oh. 2018, oh. nobody not, believed it me. It's, it <laughs> surely it was wasn't sure. a, a seven track list EP from a drug dealer, but we not gonna get into that. But, <laughs> um, that drug? Who? Oh my God. <laughs> who? Tell me who. We'll say that for Shout another episode. Shout out but, to Pusha uh, T. Shout out to Pusha T. Oh my God! <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna say a classic, no. my nigga. <laughs> oh well, I'm gonna leave that one alone. I ain't gonna jump in that one. But oh, it's on me. Yeah, it's on you. So first of all, we're not gonna we're not gonna take Jason Whitlock serious until he take his health serious. <laughs> and quit wearing them big ass Facts. suits like that. We we so we don't listen to Jason Whitlock because in my opinion, if it's fuck me when I'm alive, need to be fuck me when I'm dead. Real talk. Keep that same energy. Mm-hmm. But um, but, but my thing is, yeah, I, I I see it from both sides of the spectrum. What I really hate is that we that the world didn't give him his flowers while he was here, because a lot of people told stories about stuff that happened mm-hmm. that Kobe did behind the scenes mm-hmm. that they didn't they didn't wait until he died to talk about it. You know, I didn't know him and Matt Barnes was that close. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying all of that all the you know the different ins and outs and the stuff that you know pretty much uh, went on. But I think a lot of it is more so you know it's the wave. Right. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, Kobe the way. Like, when Kobe died, it's the way. But the people that really, really felt it is the people that is like me and you that just, that we loved them. Loved them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I literally felt like somebody in my family died. Like, like, I ain't cried over nobody dying since I lost my brother. Real you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, that just, that hit different. So, a right. lot of it is, I feel like it's just, just like Nip, when Nip died. Mm-hmm. Anybody, when they passed, it's the way. Oh, my God, they was this, that was that. But you weren't saying that when he was here. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. keep, I want you to, I bet people couldn't even tell me what Kobe doing work was. Don't you know, even know. Don't even know. Don't you know even what I'm know. saying? I, when yeah. I tell you, I have watched that a million times. Yeah. Like, and, and the cool thing about Kobe doing work is that it wasn't his best game. It wasn't his best game. It wasn't his best game, but when it came down to the clutch, he came through and, and Spike completely catches the the feeling of Kobe doing work. Mm-hmm. And just think about, like, if you look at that, I know we play ball, so just his basketball mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? The way he approached the game and the way he studied the game and just listened to him talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, well, I knew – I call this set because I knew San Antonio likes to double on the corners and they like to attack you from here. So mm-hmm. I just they always do this and that and they play me this way. Just mm-hmm. to know the 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 basketball mind aspect of it. True. So you know what I'm saying? That's just, yeah, just yeah, crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. That, see, <laughs> see, um I wasn't I'm not on the wave of fake love. I remember when Nipsey passed, I definitely was hurt. Because, and it wasn't, and I wasn't hurt because Nipsey had inspired me to this level, especially nowhere near Kobe. But what I don't personally like is to, you know, see people that have just found their niche, have just found their ability to, they they, they in their prime, they just beginning their prime to to pass away, How how especially how that happened, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think Kobe was just finding 
finding his niche with his second career and he was just finding his niche as as a father i want to see his daughter i want to yeah. see her grow up and play ball. yeah like, because that, that hurts me more than a, just yeah. the fact because i knew like just seeing her and just saying that like bro to see that fade away that yeah, shoulder yeah, yeah. and that yeah. comeback baseline and just hit a number of panties yeah it's like you know what i'm saying just the she won't be able to she won't be able to Reach your goal, like you know right. what I'm saying, like. Right. And to hear Kobe say, like, when people used to tell him Kobe need a son, and she was like, "No, I got this." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. no, I got it. Trust me. Yeah, you could just, you, know you could saying? just tell. I think um, their father and daughter dynamic was completely, like, they was like best friends, mm-hmm. and I think with them um, untimely dying together, I think mm-hmm. it's just poetic justice because I don't think one could live without the other. True. Mm-hmm. And they they looked alike. Um, he probably, you know, I don't know Kobe personally, nor do I know his family personally, but I would think he spent majority of his time with her more than he spent with everybody you else. You can tell, like, you can yeah. look at the clips from them being in the uh, basement and working on the game. she was born after, like, a difficult time mm-hmm. that they had went through. Because, you know, that she had a miscarriage. Yeah. And that was the baby after the miscarriage from she my She was the rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and that and and you know, like I like I said, I just don't I just couldn't imagine them living without each other, you know. And so I personally think that, you know, they in heaven they in heaven still working on their game, you know. Just it's so many other people that could have been taken besides Kobe. I can name like five that I would like. We could, like, if I could have did it, like I was like, God, I give you, like I give you these two people and two first round draft picks and cash consideration. Man, (laughs) it's just crazy, like to say that, like you know. But the hill Lamar Odom was like all the shit he didn't did, and he's still here. You know what I'm saying? And and you know when when Lamar Odom was in a coma, Kobe was right there. You know. Like I remember, you know, Lamar Odom as a as um coming out of college, he was this highly touted recruit. Like he was six nine nigga that could put it on the deck, pull up from three, rebound, you know, the whole defend. Time he was a crackhead. The whole time. <laughs> Who would have known? Hey, but but real time. So, so that makes Kobe even greater. Yeah, he won yeah. a championship with a crackhead. He won a, <laughs> hey, he won a cha- hey, who was on crack? Crack. <laughs> Not cocaine. <laughs> yeah, he was on crack. But you know, the thing about that is that Lamar Lamar Odom, he needed that guidance from somebody like Kobe. And Kobe, 24 Kobe, developed into this relentless leader Mm -hmm. to to the point where he could engage with anybody. He could engage with his own enemies because Matt Barnes was his enemy. Ron Artest was his enemy. I seen, I read Ron Artest's lips. He said, I'll kill you. Yep. Like, I will literally kill you, nigga. <laughs> and Ron Artest from Queensbridge. So, if you from Queensbridge, oh, I else, literally believe you. Who else is from Queensbridge? Nazir Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when Ron Artest said, I will kill you, I literally believed him, you know. But, you know, to end this, you know, shout out to Kobe. You know, you was the one of the greatest inspirations that, I personally could could have ever had and your relentlessness, your persistence, everything about you, the way you walk, the way you talk, the your your asshole attitude, which people thought was an asshole, but it was just somebody that that really was just trying to succeed in every every facet of his life. I want to thank you personally. And I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast 
without your inspiration. So thank you, Kobe. Out.